This evening, Strangeways was ablaze. Prisoners who'd taken over the jail were now doing their best to destroy it completely. They overcame prison officers, stole keys and opened as many cells as they could. Some smashed their way onto the roof and hurled missiles at the police gathering below. It's quite obvious that it's a, a major incident that has, has required us to bring many police officers. Everyone knew it, even the officers knew it. They said it's just a matter of time before this place goes. It's a powder keg, he described it as. Tonight, the full extent of mayhem and murder isn't known. The prisoners still control some parts of the jail. The police are preparing for a long and bloody occupation. Jim Buchanan, ITN, Strangeways. Yeah, I remember Strangeways. Seeing it on the telly, like, you know, I was just a kid, but it confused me, really, because... You know, there was these these people that are supposedly done bad things, smashing up this building. And there was people on my council estate cheering. I could never understand why. I think they had family members in that in prison. Yeah, that was 40 years ago. There was an inquiry by Lord Wolfe. He made loads of recommendations. Lots of people would agree with him as well. But nothing really changed. Well, now it's 40 years later, 2030, and finally, this new system is finished and the flagship prison is about to open. In this podcast, I want to find everything I can about HMP Wolf. Listen, here's the man himself. I was given the task of writing the Strangeways report. And what I saw and learnt during that process was an education which has left a permanent mark upon me. And I think I've really had a great benefit as a result of doing that. And I realised that prisons are very important institutions in our society. I believe we have got a real opportunity to do things more sensibly because we just cannot afford as a country the expenditure which we are using so unconstructively within the prison system now. <laughs> Listen, mate, I don't mind telling you. When I first heard that, I was like, who the hell is this knob? And then I realised... He sounded like my first judge. That was hard to get past. Do you know what I mean? But you know what? He's right. It's true, Your Honour. And the funny thing is, you'd be surprised how many people have been saying exactly the same thing. Everyone who's been behind my home says the same thing. Well, I want this government to be different. And that must include the 121 prisons in our country, where our social problems are most acute and people's life chances are most absent. Evidence of drones in prisons, mobile phones being dropped into prisons, uh, prisoners in charge of some prisons. But you know what? Prisons aren't a holiday camp. Not really. They're not rehabilitating me. They're not, they're not changing my mindset. Anyone can lock anyone up. It, it's not rehabilitating them. Isolation, mental anguish, idleness, bullying, self-harm, violence, 
suicide. Everyone who's been behind my says the same thing. Well, what's missing is the very basics, and, and that is uh, having prison officers been able to speak to prisoners on a daily basis. I can only echo um, what everyone who's been behind the wall says, which is that there's too many drugs, there's not enough education available, there's not enough staff around on the wing to stop bad things from happening. Um, it's just, you know, the stories, everyone who's been behind the wall says the same thing. Everyone who's been behind the wall says the same thing. The sooner we start to humanise prisoners and realise that they can make a positive contribution to society, once they're released, it's a good thing for all of us. Everyone, Everyone who's been behind the says the same thing. 40 years. <laughs> Got there eventually. So, now there's this new prison. A new way of managing criminals. There's changes in the architecture the management, not only of the prison buildings, but also the systems and processes surrounding the care of offenders. This has come about not only based on Lord Wolfe's and others' recommendations, but also through a wide and detailed consultation with staff, prisoners, and, I don't mind telling you this, I've walked the landings. I've done a bit of bird. People like me people with criminal convictions. Prison contains, it's a container that is going to keep seeing the same people. Prison, prison, prison contains, contains the, same the same people. The purpose of prisons, I believe, should be for rehabilitation. To me, prisons should be all about rehabilitation. Um, I think the punishment side comes from the fact that, you know, the people in our care, the residents, don't they don't get to see the families every day. They don't. They don't get the level of freedoms that we get. To me, that is enough of a punishment. So while they're here, we should be helping them realise um, the road they're on is the wrong one, and helping them choose the right path for when they leave. To hold the most dangerous offenders only. Uh, the most dangerous offenders who are violent. Uh, such as, i.e., rapists, murderers, um, very violent armed robbers. It should be a place where people can be confronted by their behaviour and then be given opportunities to understand it and then work to reduce the risk they pose in the future. So, there you are. It's a lot of people with a lot of big ideas. They want to make prison a place for rehabilitation place where people go in with one frame of mind and leave with a different, no, a better way of seeing the world. So, that's a high aspiration. And I wonder, now this place is built, whether it really lives up to those expectations. So, it's you one way of finding out. I had to go down there myself, didn't I? And when I got there, I was presently surprised. It wasn't as big as the other Nixers I was used to. No way near as big as the Scrubs. Keep the numbers low. Keep the numbers low. Keep the numbers, Keep the numbers low. low. So, how big's this prison then? How many people does it hold? 500. And on the spur? No, more than 40. Keep the numbers low. Keep the numbers low. Just because I believe the more people you put in one space, uh, 
they feed off each other and they get up to more mischief. So I think the smaller the communities, the less chance you've got of cylinders happening. Because then you've got more chance of working with people than big groups. When there's big groups, you always get the class clean and messes it up for the rest that want to learn. I believe smaller prisons can actually focus more, be more person-centred on that person and addressing that. Because prison contains, but unless it addresses the rehabilitation, unless it addresses the underlying issues, it's a container that is going to keep seeing the same people. So I was interested. I wanted to know what the induction process was like. So I started by asking people. I asked them, what happens when you get to the prison? The induction process where we understand their needs. I was speaking to this one lad and I asked him, could he describe what it was like coming from the court into the prison? I've just got the bus. I'm feeling all nervous, I'm a bit scared. But this officer's talked to me and he's come to speak to me where I'm going. I'm still getting nervous, just don't know what's going to happen. I see a video in front of me. It tells me about where I'm going, what I'm expecting, who I'm going to meet. It just makes my nerves a bit easier. I'm feeling a bit calmer, but still, I'm just waiting to get there and see what it's like. But it's videos helping me get through. And just knowing that the officers have told me where I'm going, what I'm going to expect, it's just kind of given me some kind of joy that I'm not going into the unknown. It feels a lot more easier. I get off the bus, I come into reception, I'm greeted by some staff members. They're, they're having a joke with you to make you calmer and you know make it a bit more easier. You um, have to take your clothes off to change into prison clothes. You go through the body scanner and then you, uh, once you've cleared that, you go into a, a room where there's a, a TV on and you know you can make yourself a drink or something like that um, to make it a bit more easier and then you follow the process after that. It'll be a self-contained unit for potentially anything for seven days to ten days. Uh, within that time, all the external services and external services I mean by external to the, um, the residential units will come to that unit yeah, and speak to those individuals, find out their needs, find out if they need any help, if they need any external, i.e. community um, interventions, see if they need any help there, potentially, especially if they're being released shortly, on a short sentence. When a minute, the minute um, a prisoner comes through the door, he's assigned a um, life coach mentor, and this person, he will have the insider skills, listening skills, he will have um, He'll have the knowledge of opportunities available in and outside of prison, he'll have knowledge of resettlement and he will be a regular contact, weekly contact with his prisoner. So I'm trying to imagine what it's like for these guys, you know, trying to think back to my old days in prison. So now, I've gone through induction, spent some time on the induction wing and then after I've been through all that, I've moved on to like what they call the main wings and I'm housed in my own cell. Sorry, I mean room. Of course, when you get your cell, the biggest fear on your mind is who am I going to be banged up with? Who's my padmate? 
What are they like? Not in this prison. In this prison, it is single cell occupancy. So that basically means that you get your own cell. So, I started asking some of the staff, some of the inmates, what's it like? Why are these cells like? And how do they work? In their rooms, uh, we we have the we've gone all digital. Uh, it's all well equipped. Um, they have all the facilities you would expect in a normal basic hotel room. Single cells. Every single one a single cell. Showers in there as well. Um, and phones. Um, Moulded furniture. Um, so means less ligature points. Um, and um, a sort of a in-cell kiosk, as we call it. Uh, well, it gives access to a lot of things. Uh, first of all, I can contact more my family more freely. It's monitored, of course, but still, it, it makes it a lot of easier. Second part is education, because I don't, I literally don't have to leave myself to pass some exams, to speak with my teachers, to see the effects of my exams, did I pass or not. Uh, my personal spendings, courses available, anything, any information on my ongoing cases. Uh, well, I already have a lot of things done. I have lots of my digital accounts already set up. I can contact my maybe future work givers and present myself with a CV and kind of have an answer from them if I could start working for them after release. So I already know what I'm standing on while still being here. I have better access to video conferences. I want to ask you something. What's the first thing you do when you walk into any room that you're going to be staying in? Hotel, bedroom. I know what I do. I walk straight over to the window, draw the curtains back and think, let me see what this view looks like. So, what's the view like from this hotel? Oh, sorry. What's the view like from this room in HMP Wolf? Again, a lot of times you'll either look out onto the prison exercise yard or onto up to the uh, fencing. I think it's about making that area look as green as possible. What can we put on the exercise yards? Rather than just being a concrete slab, can we have some plants in there? Can we have maybe mural wheels painted on walls? Just so that when you look out the window, it's not grey, it's not drab. Just to have that uplifting thing People know that when they look out a window, if they've got a nice view, they feel better. You like the sound of this, don't you? I bet you're even thinking of spending a night or two there yourself. Well, get this. Not only have you got a nice view out of your window, you've even got a key to your own cell. Listen to this. Uh, we're using biometrics, basically our own fingerprints. And you can, it's, it's safer because just certain people can access certain areas and straight away you can see in the system who's where at certain time, who's opening which doors at certain time, either if it's a prisoner or a member of the staff. That's all controlled centrally, so on the system when you enter prison you get your access control. Um, and members of staff, for example, like the governor, can only access all areas. 
uh, a wing staff can only access their wing, a prisoner can only access their cell, and you have to earn your privileges as a prisoner. And um, you can only go within certain limits. Uh, you've still got a boundary. It's, if you like, invisible. And where your bio uh, tech will work. Um, you was allowed to have stuff sent in from home. Obviously, everything got checked properly. Um, but having your own duvet, pillow, you know, even photo frames from in, at home with your kids and your missus and that on it, all them little things are stuff to make you feel a bit more comfortable. Okay, prison is to rehabilitate and is, is what it is, but having them little things can help change the mindset. Like one of your child's teddies or something, you know, from your little girl or, 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 your, or whatever. Just having that on your little shelf there reminds you of home. That could be then, you see that every single day before you, when you wake up, when you go to sleep, that little there, that little thing is niggling at your brain. It can help some people to say, well, you know, I, I'm not about this life no more. I've, you know, I want to be out for my family, for my kids. I don't want to be in this fucking prison shit no more. Prisons aren't a holiday camp. No. They're not, are they, David? And do you know what? Even if you've got the best room in the world, if you can't leave it, if that's all you do, you're stuck in there 23 hours a day, then that is a miserable place. No matter how nice your view is, or how good your cell is, so what does the prison do about that? What does it do about purposeful activity? An offer including vocational courses, so men who've avoided formal education and testing throughout their lives would be able to um, be given the opportunity to achieve something that is non-school based but which gives them practical skills and the likelihood of being able to get employment when they get out. Uh, I'm currently doing a course to teach myself how to code, um, so basically write in computer language, so JavaScript at the moment. Uh, when I leave prison, I'll be able to code basic programs and develop programs as well. Well, I'm learning Arabic because um, it's part of becoming part of the world language. Uh, in this day and age, lots of people are learning Arabic, Mandarin, um, some of the Eastern European languages. Um, courses that are designed to ensure they are able to find employment when they leave this prison, um, whether it be vocational or educational, it, it is dependent on the need of the individual. Um, Behaviour courses, thinking, thinking skill courses, um, helping you for job when you get out, for employment. Alright, alright. So you've got your courses, you've got your lovely cells, but who's running this bloody hotel? Who's running this place anyway? Prisoners in charge of some prisons. Yeah, that happens sometimes. But most of the time, when I was there, it was the screws in charge. Are they still the same here? About rehabilitation and change. And, 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 and change. A little bit more understanding of, of where the residents may have come from. I hate to use, use the word because, you know, I, I get a bit taken out of me for using it, more kindness. A lot better qualified in training and having 
more people skills. Same officers sitting down and playing chess with people or having a game of cards with people. Not so much an authoritarian role, still wear a uniform and whatnot to distinguish who is and who isn't, but to integrate more with them. We're not always sensible though, are we? I mean these staff. They might be caring, they might be kind, they might be working in a different way, but still, these are criminals you're talking about. You know, they're not always nice people. Rapists, murderers, uh, very, very violent, robbers. They don't always behave well. So what do you do then? How do you manage behaviour in this place? We have um, schemes in place to promote um, good behaviours. Um, we have lots of forums for different um, characteristics. And um, yeah, we have a lot of well-being in general. Uh, my name's Aaron and I run the Family Forum in HMP Wolf. Um, so the whole kind of point of it is for prisoners at HMP Wolf to come along and basically discuss like family issues that they're having on the outside, um, or if they've come from like a troubled background, like one in four prisoners have been through the care system. So just discuss and kind of feel normalised about their uh, previous experiences in their family, um, just so they get a bit of like emotional support. Uh, and perhaps like create friends and just create like a safe environment so they feel comfortable to talk. Usually here, um, what they've been through in the past and how they were brought up and the kind of morals, if you like, that they were brought up with um, and also about the lack of support they had from family um, and how hard going through care is um, and sometimes how broken the system is as well. A real opportunity to do things more sensibly. This prison helps people make amends by allowing them to um, confront the wrongs that they've done and the harm that they've caused, but then help them to um, move past that, forgive themselves once they've had some understanding, and then reach out to others and allow them to take part in activities which lets them build self-esteem and see themselves as returning citizens rather than ex-offenders. Needs looking at what they will need to succeed. So if they've got mental health issues, making sure that they're addressed. If they've got uh, addictions, helping them with that so that they can have a chance to be successful when they're released. I was interested to know how they assessed the need of these prisoners when they first arrived. And apparently, it's the peer support group. It's the other prisoners that ask all the questions. Why are you doing what you're doing? What are you getting out of this? And has you got a drug issue? Has you got any financial issues? Is he being forced to do it? You have to find out what the core is of the crime he's doing first. He might have mental illness as well, but he doesn't know what he's doing. An inmate feels more comfortable talking to us than he would do an officer. So when I was in prison, big issues were drugs. Drugs have always been a big issue in prison, going way back. So, how does HMP Wolf address this? Counselling obviously available um, for them to speak about the issues, how they got addicted, 
and we work very closely with uh, a number of psychologists and psychiatrists um, to analyse how uh, prisoners would have initially got addicted, whether it was the environment, their circumstances, and they work with them um, to rehabilitate and to detox, basically. So these groups, they sound like they're doing great things for drug users, but what about the health and well-being of prisoners more generally? The safe for the residents feel, the safe for the Give a lot of time in the open air, um, a lot of time in the gymnasium. Um, we run a lot of well-being classes. Obviously we've, we've got our healthcare units. Um, coming, coming to prison must be quite an anxious time. Coming to prison and then finding out all the different stuff you can do, all the different skills you can gain, all the different qualifications you could achieve would help relieve that anxiety. And I'm a big believer in this, the, the safer the residents feel, the safer the staff are. I'm a, I'm a massive believer in that. With proper good um, mental health workers, um, clinical psychologists, um, even family input. What's a typical daylight in this prison? A typical day would be one where staff are engaging with our men to um, create opportunities to understand each other and to learn new skills. People getting the medication they need but at the right time and then the right people being unlocked for the right activities at the right time and getting the balance right between those who engage with our services and those who get something in return. All of the residents all know each other, all get on and all realise that we're supposed to be here for each other, not against each other. This is supposed to be one community, one team, and our end goal should be the same. It's just the wing that's locked. You can come in and out of each other's cells all night long, you can have a laugh and a joke. Um, you know you've got to get up in the morning and go to work. Um, it's a little bit more normalised, like a community. You all look out for each other. A section on there you can cook, and you can all mingle and become like a, a family, cook for each other, cook together. It starts to then break the cycle. In the mornings before going to work, they'd have their showers so that they were refreshed before going to work. Then when they come back, have an unwind time, then the meal before going off to do structured activity, which they would in, which they have an interest in. So, how does this prison prepare people for release? Uh, make sure they've got employment, somewhere to live. Just basically make sure you wouldn't be going out to just re-offend and be dropped outside or nothing. Um, again, it would go back to the training, the pro-social role modelling, um, which would have to come from the staff. It can't really come from anybody else while they're here. Um, and, and just generally showing them a better way, that there is a better way. They don't have to commit crime to make money. There is a better way. Yes, sometimes it's harder and, and a longer road, but at least you've got your freedom at the end of it. For trusted prisoners and good prisoners, to rehabilitate them with the family, there's like a, 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 a sort of bungalow where your family, your missus and your kids can come and stay over the weekend to get you back in contact with them, seeing your kids. You know, you're still locked in, but you've got your own cooking facilities in there and everything, so you can eat with your family on a table. You've got a little tiny playground, you can play with your kids outside. The benefit of that, um, for the public is to rehabilitate myself in, in having that connection with the family. 
because I don't want to be away from my family. I want to be there, I want to support the kids. So you remember, when you're doing a sentence, your missus or your family's doing the sentence with you. They might not be backed up, but they're away from you. So they're feeling as much heartache as you are as well. Well, with this prison doing so much, is there still any need for probation? There's definitely got a need for, need for probation because, and I'm not talking about in a risk management sense, I'm talking about in a sense that the resettlement, the housing, the support. And there's almost got to be a handover. It feels at times that when people come to prison, they get given lots of support. And then when they're released, it's kind of like, well, go on then, survive. I think there's got to be that steady easing of, of support. Here, if they're on a doctor, you can pretty much get a doctor. If they want to see healthcare, they can go see healthcare. It's all fairly instant. You need to kind of build that steady decline into normal world rather than just being jump off a cliff and hope that you land on your feet. So after a few months, I went back down to HMP Wolf and spoke to some of the guys there. Just wanted to see how their sentence had been in reality after they had been spending some time there. So what happened to me is I come into the prison uh, as part of my induction. I saw the prospects people. We set out a learning plan. Um, I chose construction. Uh, the prison I was going to move on to after that specialised in construction, decorating, all them kind of things. So. I continued with my learning as I got transferred through the prison system and then again into a cat day, um, continued with the construction where they found me a job placement and then I went on to going out to work on rottles in the construction industry. I'm set up to go straight into a job as part of the rehabilitation scheme. That's from start to finish, from coming into the Cat B local all the way through to getting released. So, there you have it. HMP Wolf. Finally, a prison system that works for prisoners and the public. Only, it's not, is it? It's just an idea. It's made up. But... It could be. There's loads there we can do. It is possible. Wolfsite was made using interviews with prisoners and staff at HMP Hewell. The presenter was played by Mark Conway. The music was written and performed by Rhys Quinlan and Toby Minori with production by Tom Wright-Goss. It was edited by Ian Pringle and Saul Hewish. Wolfsight is part of Sounding Out, a partnership project between Ride Out Creative Arts for Rehabilitation, the University of Reading, the Prison Reform Trust and HMP Hewell. Sounding Out was made possible with support from the Research England's QR Strategic Priorities Fund. Special thanks go to Dan Reynolds, S.O. Marcus Gilks and Governor Ralph Lubkowski at HMP Hewell 
and to Sarah Lee and colleagues at the Irene Taylor Trust. Wolfside is a Ride Out production produced by Saul Hewish in association with Sarah Bartley and Listening Shelf Audio.